Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Okay, welcome back. What? Why are you laughing? You, you laughed right away. I mean, yeah, that's the most excited I've ever heard Okay, you. <laughs> welcome back. So, yeah, I've noticed I... Oh. Yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, this is after our hiatus here for this reading. Okay, this so book. Brian's got a lot of smarminess in his voice <laughs> because I took a while to read this book. A long that time. That God knows who picked it. Tim. Yeah. 22-hour audiobook. Wow. That's a so, long time. Yeah. Nearing you, the end. It's like even, was that 22 hours speed. even on time and a half speed? I mean, that's just how long the regular speed I, I is. Yeah, yeah, so. So, yeah. Did, was it an entertaining audiobook? Because his voices were kind of funny. Were they really? I thought he did a couple well, and then I thought a couple others were stretches. Mm. And we can talk about that when we go into the characters. Sure, sure. But okay, yeah. why don't we do like first impressions? Well, I mean, like first of all, or like why did I pick it? Why did you pick this? I was book? waiting for that question. Yeah, it's a great question. Did you, did you come prepared? Not really, but mm-hmm. I'm just gonna improv it. So mm-hmm. why did I pick this book? I've read a couple others by Murakami. Oh, you yeah. have? Yeah. I thought I told you that. You don't listen. That's no, okay. I don't listen. It's just been forever since we talked about books that I can't remember, can't remember that far. The right? hiatus grudge. <laughs> okay, so I read, um, what did I read? Norwegian Wood, I thought was really good, and um, like Sputnik, Sweetheart. I tried reading Kafka on the Shore, which might be his most famous, but I couldn't really get into that. Um, okay, so why choose him? Because he's like every hipster's favorite author. He's very um, much into like modern i think kind of existential angst that many millennials such as i can relate to uh yeah i don't know it was okay he's like it got a unique style to yeah it. yeah no yeah i liked his style yeah yeah i so what do you think overall how overall i liked it because i was pissed about it being 600 pages <laughs> but fortunately i had a i went to California for a week, so I had a four-hour plane ride, both to and from, that I read the whole time, mm-hmm. minus naps, of course, on the plane. And then when I was in California, I had t- time to read, uh, visiting my brother and friends. So uh, I had thought it was a fine read. Um, <laughs> a took fine me, read. yeah. I w- I've been done for about two weeks now. So <laughs> do you remember everything no, that happened? <laughs> I don't. I, I literally had to Wikipedia the, the plot synopsis. It's a good sure time that you've. Aren't you glad that you? I picked a book that you like so much that you actually finish it in two weeks. You're welcome. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I'll finish that thought. Uh, okay. But I mean, so uh, I didn't really have any expectations. I mean, I guess the tagline for this book is, or the, the little brief synopsis is essentially that a man, a married man goes looking for their lost cat. And then soon he goes looking for his wife. Mm-hmm. Because she's gone too. Like that's the that's the thing I read about it online before starting. The so book. she doesn't go missing until. Oh yeah. By the way, huge spoiler alerts. I well, guess everyone knows by now. That's the point of this I don't podcast know. is I, to discuss the book. Who knows if people know? Anyway, <laughs> so his wife doesn't go missing until like probably at least a third into the book. Yeah. And yeah, it really starts with a cat. But basically, there's lots of different characters with unique personalities and he kind of gets into the goes into this rabbit hole of crazy things and events right where they have a lot of stories from the past yeah did, what did you think of all those I they dragged on a little bit a little bit yes i agree yeah especially all the zoo stories and the and 
was it nutmeg right sometimes you wonder where they're getting at yeah nutmeg and cinnamon yeah so okay now i want to ask you because i feel like this is a common piece of feedback i have on on the many books that we've read uh Uh, i if they just shrank like the book by like one third i think it would be a lot better i see is that just my attention span like are we like not able to keep up with this stuff or is it like they're too self-indulgent they need to just write right right good question is it a sign of the times that we live in this attention attention deficit society where we can't even think we can't even stop our car when our car is stopped at a red light we immediately <laughs> our reflexes like whip our phone and see like oh what message did i miss brian the social commentary comes after the first hour <laughs> but i'm saying <laughs> go ahead sorry but no i think you hit on a good point interesting point because like i think you're right that as a lot of the books we've read the one of our critiques about most of them is that it could be a little shorter like, what's a book you thought, like, that was the perfect amount of pages? Think of these classics, like, 1984, some Hemingway book. They're just... <laughs> <laughs> they're, some Hemingway They're all classics, book. right? Yeah, I mean, sure. like, I feel like they don't mince, you know? Like, he's got this minimalist style, I guess. It's unique to certain authors. But they kind of get to the point. Like, no one was like, Orwell went on too long. Like, yeah. I felt like he did a great job of... You know, his books are relatively short. You Orwell? Yeah. Oh, no, you're thinking of, like... Animal no. Farm. 1984 right. is like a it's little bigger. It's not too big. No, it's not. 600 pages, like. Yeah. Uh, but he can get to the point without blabbering, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not saying long is bad, <laughs> but just I, saying I'm just. I'm just saying, yeah, don't go on and on if you don't have to, if right. it's not going anywhere. But I don't know. Some people might say, like, that you're asking like them to spell out the plot and everything, like spoon-fed like too mm-hmm. easy whatever mm-hmm. it's just a thought right i feel like this is a, a legitimate critique of this book because it is so long to begin with that i do feel like there are some superfluous stories that told by the characters that don't really didn't add much to the book correct and could have been removed correct yeah. i agree but i, I do th- but i think for some of the other books we've read where we maybe think they went on too long i think those are Maybe I mean maybe they had to fill so many pages like those those weren't like overly long books mm-hmm. so maybe they like I'm thinking specifically of the Russia book, the the Road to Unfreedom. Oh right. Where I feel like I think my critique was that that could have been just a long well, that's, article. That's nonfiction though. That's a little oh, different. Oh okay. So you're you're so like what are the fiction books? I feel like our fiction books have been kind of okay, lengthwise. Yeah. I mean Blood Meridian was a little long. That was so long. Yeah. That was so long ago, though, too. So, what do you feel now after reading all these books? Like, can the balance of reading fiction to nonfiction? Mm. Like, what do you feel about that? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't look at our exact numbers, but have we been picking more nonfiction than fiction? I kind of feel I like think we recently, have. but like in general, like, do uh, you have feel like you have a preference, or has that changed? Well, I have definitely noticed that. Just personally, I have uh, leaned more towards nonfiction lately. Mm-hmm. And that is a kind of a break with my reading history. All through, you know, my young adulthood, I gravitated towards more fiction, novels, mm-hmm. and stories. Now I feel like I am definitely more interested in current events and the way the world works, and like thinking for myself and and just realizing that my own life is only a, one perspective on how the world is, and trying to glean as much information from other people's perspectives as I can. So I feel like that's kind of my mindset right now which leads me to nonfiction. 
Don't you think it's funny that I started out liking nonfiction more, and you like fiction a lot more, and now you've kind of like <laughs> switched? Yeah. So, like, are, are you leaning more towards fiction lately? I think a little bit, just oh, because... Okay. okay, so I take your point about current events and blah, 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 nonfiction. Right. Super important. But a lot of nonfiction books, at least more in, like, the business realm or, like, self-help type type vibe to them, a lot of them can, were getting, like, super repetitive to me, like, the more I read... And most of these could be summarized in just like a brief interview or just some sound bites. Um, history, current events, yeah, that's super important. So I get that. But just because a book just came out this year doesn't mean it's a must read necessarily. Um, I don't know where I was getting at. Oh, yeah. So last point is like fiction. Uh, <laughs> it's escapism. Is that what it is? Well, yeah, it's escapism. I mean, we live in such crazy times. Uh-huh. I feel like everyone's super stressed and tense these days. So fiction could be a nice little relaxing, like, let's take ourselves out of this moment. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to take everything so seriously. Yeah. We just need to go down a well. <laughs> a deep, dark well. That was a great segue, because in this book, there's um, there's right. these wells that they would climb down to, like, meditate. What did you think of that? I thought it was, I thought it was a great... Okay, so let me... Can I, do you want to tell how it gets started? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, you essentially, um, the main character, um, Toru Okada, mm-hmm. is visited by this elderly gentleman, Lieutenant Maima. Mamiya. Ma- Mamiya. Yeah. And this lieutenant tells him a story of his war days, and and the lieutenant was in a small group on a secret mission. They got caught. He watched somebody get skinned alive, and then he got thrown down a well. And he talked about his days in the well and how he just waited there, hoping for death and realizing that he should have just been shot instead of waiting down the well. But he gets saved eventually, so because he's there. This Toru Okada knows there's an abandoned house a couple houses away from his home, and there's an old dry well there. So he climbs down in the well after hearing the story to just kind of like see what it's... Just for curiosity's sake, because he's kind of unemployed and has anything else going on. And then in this well, he just thinks about life and death and, and he stays down there for days and, and he he's, gets trapped down there at first and then discovers some sort of, how would you call it, like a dreamlike alternative uh, psychological plane where he goes into a hotel that's really dark and then he, he's talking to this woman and then somebody's coming in this hotel room but then he... Then he gets transported back into the well at the very end before he figures out what's happening in that hotel room. Mm-hmm. So then he keeps going down in the well over and over again to contemplate about life and then also to try to transport himself back into this hotel. Yeah. Is that pretty much... That covers it. But I would also say, like, okay, so it started out from the general telling him that war story, right? Mm-hmm. Which probably, at least when I was reading it, I was like, what is the point of this story? Where is it going? Right. Right. I completely agree. That's my first initial uh, response to that long story. But it ultimately, I feel like that was a story that was worth it. Yeah. Because of what it led to. I feel like other stories did not go anywhere. Because it explains his motivation for wanting to go down there. And a big point being that, like, he's going through a lot of crazy stuff. Like, his uh, girlfriend or wife left. And, you know, his whole life's a little bit upended. Like, he's unemployed, kind of drifting. So, I think going down in the well is kind of his way of, like getting through this life crisis. And then the funny part to me was like other characters started going down the well too. Some girl that he knew saw him do it and then another one saw him do it. So it's like he's starting this new thing where we just need like 
you know, total darkness to <laughs> psychologically think through our... Okay, so have you seen the movie I Heart Huckabees? That's what it reminded Ooh, me of. Ooh, I have a long time ago. I think ago. it's like, who's the... Naomi Watts? Yeah, Naomi and, Watts. And um, Mark Wahlberg and yeah. Jason Schwartzman. Yep. And there's one more really famous guy. Guy? There's Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin, yeah. D- David O. Russell directed it. D- yeah. So I think that's a good movie. One part... Oh, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Uh, so, like, there's just a part that reminded me of that where it's like, uh, Jason Schwartzman's going through these, like, existential crises, like, similar to that, the guy in this book. And so, at one point, Dustin Hoffman, like, zips him up into this body bag where it's, like, it's kind of early on in the movie. I forget and, uh, and he's just in total darkness. And then Dustin Hoffman's character starts, like, talking him through some, like, meditative sort of, like, guided ritual thing. But it's just this similar idea to the well, like having this pitch black surrounding. I feel like you're kind of forced to be alone with your thoughts and, you know, process a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. So okay. I like the well stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, the, the thing I remember about I Heart Huckabees is like, don't they do like some meditative practice where they smack each other with, in the face with like a big yeah. red ball or Mark something? Mark Wahlberg would hit Jason Schwartzman <laughs> yeah. and like... That's how they live in the moment or something. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I need to rewatch that. It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> so you like the well stuff. You felt yeah. like that was okay. Well, not too weird. The well stuff, going down, thinking that's all well and good. This whole right, transport. Are you a... <laughs> what? It's all well and good. Uh, <laughs> You're so I funny, do, Brian. I do do you mean to? <laughs> I just had to that's let good. you catch that. Oh, thanks. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, but, like, what was the deal with him being transported to that hotel in this, like, alternative reality? Do you have a theory on that? Well, just in general, like, the thing about a lot of Murakami books is, like, there's usually, like, a cat, and then there's usually some, ex- there's some like, crazy, like, magical realist stuff going on. Yeah. There's patterns in his books. There's like, always a cat? There's usually cats somehow That's involved in the story. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There's weird stuff going on. Like, supernatural, I guess mm. you would say. That's the word for it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Kind of like, what's that book we read? For Days of Solitude? Years in Solitude? Gabriel Garcia Marquez? No. Yeah. That, oh, 100 years. Yeah. 100 years of solitude. <laughs> I was like, 40 days. 100 years of solitude. You're right. We did read that book. I totally forgot about so that. So that had a lot of magical realism. It did. Right? That, yeah, that and magical realism. And a lot of like right. history stories. Uh-huh. What I liked a lot about this book was like how intertwined stuff. Do we even say what this book is? We didn't. I think the, so. The Wind Up Bird Chronicle. Oh, we were. <laughs> the name of the book is I, Wind Up Bird Chronicle over. by Haruki, Haruki Murakami. Murakami. Yeah. There we go. But anyway. Uh, oh yeah. So like, <laughs> just the the theme, and this is a theme maybe in his other books too. Is like everything is like interconnected, interdependent. Like these events across history, how they, you know, come back to connect to present day stuff. Um, I thought those parts were interesting. And in general, also the characters I thought were pretty good for the most part. Like, I feel like he fleshes them out well. And there's some really beautiful, like, descriptive passages, I think. Like, oh, I think yeah. he's got a, a good, very powerful way of writing. Did you have a favorite character? That's a good question. So, okay. Actually, I want to take that on a tangent and then circle back. Okay. And then take do a 360. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do double cell count. <laughs> What the hell is that? It's an uh, <laughs> ice skating uh, move. Uh, yeah. What's the one that uh, Margot Robbie did in that movie? Triple Axel. Oh, yeah. Tanya yeah. Harding. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie. Yeah. So the main character, he's like 30 years old, like quarter-life crisis type mm-hmm. thing, um, you know, like unemployed, sort of drifting. 
I felt like I related to him a little bit mm. as a character, and I think okay. that's why I kind of liked him because he's, by most uh, measures, like a pretty average dude right. who's just like kind of struggling. And I think a lot of people in like their twenties, uh, early thirties, kind of like drifting too or trying to figure stuff out. So I'm not saying I relate to him as much right now, but maybe at, like a little earlier in my life. So, sure. but do you see yourself in like this character or like when you read in general? Because mm. I was wondering, like maybe I'm just narcissistic, but like <laughs> I often see my like parts of myself in a character, or is that just like you empathizing? Like, do you usually Ooh. find a character you, like, relate to? Good, good question. I would say that that is natural for everybody that reads a story to put themselves or to find commonality with the, with the story's protagonist. Mm-hmm. It, it makes them, you know, you, it makes you care about this character more. Mm-hmm. It makes you, you know, more involved with the story. With that being said, though, I don't always connect with characters in a movie, in a story. Like, sometimes I can see myself really in one character or another. I think you're right. I think th- there's always a practice of uh, empathy where mm-hmm. you just attempt to see what that character, what any character's perspective on any situation that's happening in the book. I feel like there's a level of it that everyone does it to a degree. I don't mm-hmm. think it's narcissistic at all, but I feel like there are those characters that come along that reverberate within you a little more than other characters. Mm-hmm. Some characters in Catch-22 mm-hmm. really resonate with me, so that's why that's such a loved book by me, is because I can really connect to some characters in there and their circumstances. So if you can con- really connect with the main character in this book, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I can connect with him to some point because, like, I have shared experiences with this character at certain different points in my life. You've been down... Well, a couple times. <laughs> well, no, just like, you know, the quarter-life crisis yeah, thing yeah, and yeah. all that. Yeah. Well, so is that good fiction, then, is when they write, you know, authors write characters that you find aspects you can relate to? Like, with Catch on the Rye, like, a bunch of people as moody teenagers see another moody teenager. Is that why everyone likes that book? Oh, <laughs> You're in the camp that... I'm in the it. camp that thinks Holden Caulfield is a little spoiled. I, I forgot you said how much you hated that book at the I beginning did. of this podcast. Yeah. It's got to bring it. But, yeah. Okay, anyway, so go on, favorite characters. On. Favorite characters, yes. I so have one more. You like the main character? I like the main character because I think he's an average dude caught up yeah. in crazy stuff. He's handling did, it pretty well. I mean, he gets he gets roasted pretty good by Noburo Wataya. Noburu Wataya. Yeah. In the audiobook, I had to. Oh, I got to hear his name a lot. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I but, thought he was a good kind of enemy character. It's yeah, his wife's brother. I so. feel like they could have made him more. Because, like, he was this, like, I can get into my theories about every, the story and everything, but, like, Ooh. I feel like they could have really ramped up his evil being a bad character. Because, like, but at times, like, Noburo mm-hmm. really, like, slams Toru for, like, being an average guy and, like, a worthless thing mm-hmm. and but like you could relate to that being called <laughs> worthless. Oh, thanks Brian <laughs> no I am thriving uh-huh. in yes, life you are. Yes, um, you are too. so no I think like what did you mention his brother-in-law no Ruwataya mm-hmm. so I think part of his like uh subtleness is how like his blank stare and just like that's why he was sort of subdued as a character but that's what kind of made him intimidating or something huh. I don't know. That was my feeling of him. I thought he was a good sort of enemy character because okay. he just, uh, the main character, couldn't find any way to really like connect to him. So do you have other favorite characters? Yeah. What's her name? Uh, the girl, the kind of like younger peppy girl. Yes. May. May Kasahara. 
Kasahara. Yes. Yeah, I thought she, she was a lot of fun. Yes, she's my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. Is she the manic pixie dream girl that's... Have you not heard that? Manic pixie dream girl? Yeah, someone told me about it a while ago. It's like this sort of, uh, I don't know what the word is, like archetype of um, a character that's just like this like uh, happy-go-lucky kind of quirky girl that's mm-hmm. like just sold, sort of uh, that's cast a lot in in like modern fiction. Huh. I had no idea. Yeah, it's like, like mo- modern pixie dream manic pixie dream girl, manic. Zo- Zoe Deschanel and whatever uh, she's in or something like that. I don't know. Natalie Portman. I feel like May Kasahara had a dark side to her. You know. Yeah, I agree. There's so, more depth, right? Her. So I would not say that she's like Zoe but Deschanel. She was fun. All. She could have deep thoughts yes. and she could discuss these dark things, but she also always had a kind of like air of silliness or this young kind mm-hmm. of like full of spirit energy. Right. Right. So, what are, what are characters did you like? Oh, well, yeah. Like? I mean, May was my favorite character by far. Mm-hmm. Even though she did leave Toru down in the well. Yeah. I, mean, that was I thought kind that of, was kind that of was, messed up. That was a very shitty move, I will well, say. Well, she said she was going to get him. She yeah, saw him like, down there and just le- and pulled up his ladder so yeah. he couldn't get back up. Right. She pulled up his ladder so he's stuck in the well. The first time he goes down there, he has a rope ladder attached mm-hmm. to a tree so he can climb back out. Right. May comes along, just pulls it out without him when he's when he's dreaming or something. Right. But she said she was going to come back and let him back up. But she didn't. It was Kreta Kano that... That's that, true. But, she, you know, you could argue that she's going to get it before he would have died. I don't think so. I think May would have left him down there to die. <laughs> but I still like May. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Because then she goes off to work for a wig factory... In the in this in the in the country and just right. writes these letters to Toru, that I think are so entertaining. She had a lot of personality come through for yes. sure. Now I think you can make the argument that the, maybe the letters were not necessary for the story, but I would counter that and say that the zookeeper storyline and all the stuff there, could have been condensed. Yeah, towards because the end. Like, yeah, because because Toru then what ends up with nutmeg and cinnamon these pseudonyms for. Like this, someone he this, just met. This woman and her son, grown son, that have a business where they kind of like a secretive, like personal care business. I don't know. But essentially they go on at length about Nutmeg's father who ran a zoo in China during World War II or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, That's definitely towards the end I started yeah. zoning out a little bit because right. it's like... Maybe the more we think about it, or if we reread it, we'd be like, wow, that's some novel thing that connects to this part that mm-hmm. we didn't see the first time. I don't know. I mean, the main thing I would that links them is the zookeeper in the story has a distinct mark on his face like Tor, the main character does. Yeah. Uh, they hear, and in this, at the zoo in the story, they hear this wind-up birds making that sound, the same thing that the main character hears outside his house before his wife leaves. So it's kind of like this wind-up bird and the mark on a face are, is kind of like omens to significant stories. I don't even know. Yeah. What did the wind-up bird represent? Something like... I, I thought the wind-up bird was making the noise in situations that were going to... Events in it that cause emotional upheaval mm-hmm. in someone's life whether it's through violence in war and killing zoo animals or wife leaving them and trying to find her through some sort of uh, alternate reality or what you call it, supernatural plane of existence. So you want to hear my theory on that? Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. My theory is that 
the main character, Toru Okada, goes in the well and then he passes into this some sort of subconscious realm that Noburo Wataya mm-hmm. controls. Mm. And I feel like this is his this what this is what kind of gives Noburo all his powers. He has this some sort of subconscious or or alternative realm where he can control other people. And I feel like that's where he was tro- controlling Kumiku who is Toru's wife, the main character's wife, and his sister. He was controlling his sister, Kamiku, through this alternative realm, right. which is a hotel. And eventually Toru finds himself in a lobby where he sees this... I thought, I thought this was the most fascinating part of the book, was when he's in this hotel, he sees this... Towards the end, he sees this news report on the television in the lobby about Noburo Wataya's getting beaten with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And that is something that Toru has done before. And so he had this... And, and the description of the perpetrator is spot on for Toru. And so everyone in the lobby is looking at him. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're all chasing him. And the lights go out. And he's trying to find his way back to the hotel room. And like I thought that was so fascinating. And then when he gets back in the hotel room, he's there. He hears a, a woman's voice that in the dark. that But he can't turn on the light. But we all assume that it's Kamiku. It is Kamiku. And then someone comes in the room with a knife, but but Toru finds the bat, and then they're fighting like in the room. I thought that was the fa- most fascinating part of the book. And the Toru eventually knocks him out, the guy with the knife, and eventually like saves Kumiku. But then he returns back into the well in this reality. So and then what we learn later is that Noburo, the the evil guy, has had a stroke in real life, and and so I feel like that is like. Him kind of entering the subconscious realm that Noburo controls and defeating Noburo gave him like a stroke in real life. Yeah, that's what do you, interesting. What do you think of that? Well, super elaborate theory. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, let's dive deeper into that. Yeah, I uh, mean, yes, I should have prefaced it with spoiler. Alert, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Everyone knows by now. Mm-hmm. There could be an action movie interpretation where it's like The Matrix or Inception mm-hmm. or Stranger Things where there's these alternate planes where these battles are going on and then there's like this other world that there's like a connection. But in one world, he's he's hitting Noboru Watega with a bat and the other world, he's just like trying to navigate his relationships with his mm-hmm. wife and brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cool. like, did you have any theories on all that stuff or did you just kind of take it like... This is some sort of supernatural yeah. parallel to the real reality. I, it was hard for me to see all the connections. I think he makes it a little murky, probably on purpose. But well, yeah. I remember, I think Kamiko, right? Mm-hmm. And towards the end was saying like how she was drawn to this dark energy in Nobruwatia. And like it happened to her sister as well. So yeah, something about him was kind of behind all the weird dark stuff that was happening. Right. And then that's where I feel like... They could have made him a more sinister character. And I get what you're saying, like his blank stare and his in- intimidating, like, almost way he perfected the being a politician and a news guy. Like, he was a expert on cable news in Japan, and then he became a politician, and he, could, he had this demeanor that was so confident, and that didn't really scare me. It just kind of, like, it would have been beneficial if I connected more with Noburo, the evil guy. Because then maybe that would have scared me more if I connected with such such an evil evil guy. But I just felt like he was so kind of cut off and right. I don't know. 
I think it helps to understand a character's motivations in any like piece of fiction. And with him, it's just like he felt a it's little one-dimensional. I yeah, mean, he's just always after power. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. But they could have painted him a little, you know, gave him a little more dimensions. Yeah, I guess. What do you think about like all the? He knew these this like psychic person, Malticano, mm-hmm. and then her sister, Criticano, and then there's this whole tangent story about how they went to Greece and had some like <laughs> spiritual exist like you know epiphany and drank this pure water. Yeah, it got a little weird. She was like kind of psychic and be like, "You won't find your cat. This and that is gonna happen." Well, I feel like they kind of like warmed Toru, the main character. They kind of warmed him up to this psychic type of alternative reality. If he goes down the well without meeting Malta or Kreta, mm-hmm. I feel like he doesn't have that alternative reality experience or whatever. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I I agree they were a little ancillary, but... We might just not be open-minded enough for these like more supernatural so, out maybe. there things. I know. Because there's an audience for that. I think oh, I prefer, like personally, more of the like relationship stuff Uh and he's him trying to like navigate his life as like 30 year old whose wife just left and like Mm -hmm. he's having this like these issues you know so yeah so maybe we're not picking the right books is that what you're saying yeah i messed up real big (laughs) oh i mean like this one i think 100 years of solitude is another interesting one with magical realism so like do you feel like maybe those aren't our you know the ones we should be focusing on, or well, each... I think it's good to read all kinds of different right. stuff. Right, but like we're we're reading a pretty diverse array, mm-hmm. and I think just pick whatever you're interested in the moment. Like, sure, sure. what's the next one you've got? Uh, an American War. So that's like a modern sci-fi kind of. Yes. Okay. It's set in the future. It's, it's political. Like dystopia. Yeah. Okay. You love dystopian. I do. And then what's what's the next one? I have On the Road. I yeah. think, mm-hmm. and that could be good. Yeah. What's another one? The Coddling of the American Mind. Oh, okay. That's going to be all, all kinds of fun. You're ready to lash out. I am. Just wait. I'll bring my soapbox. On bo- those millennials. I'll, I'll bring that my soapbox that day. Don't worry. And uh, what's the last one? Uh, I have some sci-fi short oh, yeah. stories. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I just wanted to... But, yeah. Um, so, I don't think... I agree. I don't think there's, any, there's anything wrong with the books we're picking. I, I also agree that maybe there is a better audience for these books that have more supernatural uh, tendencies, but I still liked it. So you think it was worth reading? I actually think yes. I think for the average person, I don't know if I'd recommend them to commit to like 600 page book, you know? I know, but I didn't, I honestly, it it, it kinda hit me at the right time where I had a lot of time to read it, so it didn't feel overwhelming. And, and thankfully it was on my Kindle, mm-hmm. who like, because if, if I had a 600 page physical book, mm-hmm. I would see it and I'd be holding it as I'm reading it. I'd be like, oh my God, Tim, this book is going to take me forever to read. Why'd you pick this damn book? But, you know, having it on my Kindle, I just go keep going from page We're brought page to you today by the Kindle, Amazon's. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Or great. I should say my tablet reader. Oh, okay. To be non neutral. Yeah. It's Sorry, Kindle. Barnes and Noble. <laughs> the nook (laughs) (laughs) but i but you know so i mean i'm definitely glad i read it because i've heard of murakami and he's a famous and now you know you probably haven't read anything quite like it no i have not that is true yeah we took a chance on it like let me let me ask you another question about the story i admire the main character's doggedness in pursuing kumiko and getting her back Mm. would you have done that much 
Well, let me think about it. So, so she just kind of disappears out of nowhere, right? Right. And he's just trying to, like, understand why she left and all that stuff. And, like, eventually he gets a letter about how she kind of fell for someone else. And then it didn't work out, but she was kind of had this other relationship. And then she just wants him to forget about her. What I could sense in his frustration is just, like, he just wants to kind of meet her face to face and try to understand, like, more about why mm-hmm. she left and why she went to her brother, who she doesn't have a good relationship with. Right. Um, and I could, I could, like, I felt that frustration because he kept kind of, like, in his thoughts, trying to understand why she just did that. Okay, so would you say that you think it's more of a matter of not so much, maybe his desire wasn't to get her back 100%, but maybe it was more for closure? Yeah, closure, yeah. Okay. That's what I would say. I was I I was reading it from a perspective of that he wanted to make to to get her back because he didn't he didn't believe that this was what she really wanted, mm. and the way the letter was written and just the way they had some inter, they had another interaction over the computer which this put, took place in the eighties I think so the computer was a relatively newer and rudimentary right. compared to today's computers. But, so, like, I don't know. I just don't know if I would have gone through the lengths that he did to try to get her back. But You don't care about the loves in your life as that much? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, objectively, <laughs> given the context of their relationship before she left, I don't know if they what they had was... They I were mean, married, like, six years. Yes. And they had some tension. Right. But the cat leaving was what kind of Which is very started odd. everything. Yeah. No, that's the, those are the parts I thought I would have liked to see more of. It's just like him and his wife and trying to understand things. Hmm. Um, there was that one character that was kind of interesting. It was like Nobruwatiya's like right-hand man or like, you know, quirky, like, you know, guy he hired to kind of work as an intermediary. Yeah. He's kind of a I'm character. Like, kind of like a private investigator, too. Yeah, but sort of a little crazy. Yeah, very, very odd. The audiobook gave him a really weird voice. Well, yeah, I can um, imagine. But like... I thought as a character he sounded more like intimidating, but they just gave him like a goofy voice. Oh, really? I mean, he's like... No, that's the whole point. It's like he's like a short, bald, ugly man. Right. Like the person you would have no... But he's also kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, he, like, but did... that's the thing. It's like he's just more of an eccentric, like yeah. bumbling private investigator. They just played Not up... so much a... But he had like a dangerous side too. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. It's yeah. like... That's that's the twist. It's like you you know you look at this guy and you're like, why should I be afraid of him? But then yeah, yeah, he's got some yeah dastardly oh, that, secrets. I he's mean, kind of a good character. Yeah, he was. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I just like those their interactions and stuff. Yeah. Can I make a real quick point? Yeah, is like I think it was interesting that we were discussing the types of books that we read. I think the more books you read, the better like you develop your taste and what you do like. So, like, my mom loves mysteries, so she reads a bunch of mysteries, and, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to read a good variety, and then once you kind of, like, find... Uh, find what you like, just don't read anything else. No, just no. read one. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that, because you don't want to be, like, close-minded. I, I know. I'm but joking. it just helps. Yeah. Yeah. Sure you don't know what's out there until yeah. you... Right. This is early in the book. Okay. Is it possible, finally, for one human being to achieve perfect understanding of another? We can invest enormous time and energy in serious efforts to know another person, but in the end, how close are we able to come to that person's essence? We convince ourselves that we know the other person well, but do we really know anything important about anyone? Do you remember who said that? That that was the narrator. Okay. Yeah. The main character. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a good passage. Mm -hmm. 
That was the start of the second chapter. Well, it was a good start because it's like, um, that's right before all the Kimiko stuff, right? Right. So exactly. it's like all that caught him off guard. Right. right. I guess that was a big aspect of the story, too, was the fact that they were married for six years, uh-huh. but they still didn't even really, I don't know, get to the... I mean, they knew each other well, of course, but like he felt like the recent years were, they were like, there was something adri- amiss about their relationship, right? Yeah. There's some part of her that he couldn't quite yeah. understand. This kind of connects to that. I could go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he says, we had been playing our assigned roles on the office stage but stepping down from the stage abandoning the images that we had been projecting there we were both just unstable awkward lumps of flesh warm pieces of meat kitted out with digestive tracts and hearts and brains and reproductive organs mm. i thought it was well written yeah it's a good example of you know how descriptive you can be this is about the narrator talking about yeah him and his wife Kumiko and I felt something for each other from the beginning. It was not one of those strong, impulsive feelings that can hit two people like an electric shock shock when they first meet, but something quieter and gentler, like two tiny lights traveling in tandem through a vast darkness and drawing imperceptibly closer to each other as they go. As our meetings grew more frequent, I felt not so much that I had met someone new as that I had chanced upon a dear old friend. Yeah, I think in general I like his books that are more focused on the relationship stuff uh, than the supernatural stuff. Do you? Where does this Human. rank in your books of that I've read by him? Yeah, and the others I read a long time ago. I think mm-hmm. Norwegian Wood I like the most, and okay. then the other one about the same as this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from like one of those letters May Kasahara wrote to him ah, when she moved away. Nice. I um, like those letters. Yeah, usually they're pretty light and kind of silly, but she also had some deep things in there. So. Everybody's born with some different thing at the core of their existence, and that thing, whatever it is, becomes like a heat source that runs each person from the inside. I have one too, of course, like everybody else, but sometimes it gets out of hand. It swells or shrinks inside me, and it shakes me up. What I'd really like to do is find a way to communicate that feeling to another person, but I just can't seem to do it. Yeah, I like me. I think that was a good character. Yeah. Like, because she was pretty young. She was, like, 16 or 15 mm-hmm. or something. But she had been through some traumatic thing. Like, her boyfriend died on in a motorcycle accident when she was riding with him. So she's this character that, like, you know, pretty young and kind of silly, but also, like, has these deeper layers to her because she's, mm-hmm. like, been through a lot and, right. you know, has some interesting thoughts, right. too. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And does the definitely seems like she's, you know, an old soul, I guess, or just just, you know, in a situation where she views the world in a very in a drastically different uh way than her family does and mm-hmm. so that's caused some friction as well just kind of alluded to like how she doesn't think it along with her parents or whatever yeah yeah i, I that's a character like type of character i think i like in a lot of movies or mm-hmm. books is like a younger person who's like kind of more mature beyond their years uh-huh. yeah okay so this quote is from the perspective of the veterinarian at the zoo uh-huh. who's in charge of all the animals He was certainly no fatalist, as most people use the word, and yet never once in his life had he experienced the unshakable certainty that he and he alone had arrived at a decision. He always had the sense that fate had forced him to decide things to suit its own convenience. On occasion, after the momentary satisfaction of having decided something of his own free will, 
he would see that things have been decided beforehand by an external power cleverly camouflaged as free will, mere bait thrown in his path to lure him into behaving as he was meant to. The only things that he had decided for himself with complete independence were the kind of trivial matters which, on closer inspection, revealed themselves to require no decision-making at all. So you like the more like philosophical Ooh, passages? Yeah, of course. So deep, Brian. <laughs> like a well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, I thought this... I, th- I think Murakami is a great writer. Yeah. For sure. That's the thing. Like, even though the content can get kind of out there, you can still appreciate mm-hmm. the passages and just the language he uses. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how different the translation can get. Like, who do they trust to, like, really... Right. But I think the guy... I feel like there is a specific person that works with Murakami to translate like his Like a trusted works. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I saw his name on several works by Murakami when I was looking through the his, um, what do they call that? Bibliography. There you go. Thank you. I just wonder if like some words, like there's probably a Japanese word for like, you know. Oh, right. I know. This or that, that yeah. we don't have a translation yeah. and for. And so how do you translate that? Right. I think Jay Rubin is the translator. Mm. I feel like he, I feel like I read somewhere that he, Murakami and him worked together to translate it. Directly collaborated. Yeah. That's cool. So this is just, he goes down to the well a lot to think and meditate and and try to get back into this other world where he goes to the hotel or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is some of his thoughts when he's in the bottom of the well. So he's looking up from the bottom of the well. A round slice of light floats high above me, the evening sky. Looking up at it, I think about the October evening world, where people must be going about their lives. Beneath that pale autumn light, they must be walking down the streets, going to the store for things, preparing dinner, boarding trains for home. And they think, if they think at all, that these things are too obvious to think about, just as I used to do, or not to. They are the vaguely defined people and I, used to, and I used to be a nameless one among them, accepting and accepted. They live with one another beneath that light, and whether it lasts forever or for a moment, there must be a kind of closeness while they are enveloped in the light. I am no longer one of them, however. They are up there on the face of the earth. I am down here in the bottom of a well. They possess the light while I am in the, po- I am in the process of losing it. Sometimes I feel that I may never find my way back to that world, that I may never again be able to feel the peace of being enveloped in the light, that I may never again be able to hold the cat's soft body in my arms, and then I feel a dull ache in the chest, as if something inside there is being squeezed to death. Pretty angsty. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why hipsters love this Murakami, right? That reminded me, though, of uh, there's one point where someone recommended that he just go and, like, watch people yes. walk around. Oh, I, I'm so I glad thought you that brought was that up. Funny. Because that seems so random. So, basically, he's he's he came out of the sweat. He went down the well the first time. May left him down there. And he comes back out. And then Credit Cano asks him to go to Greece with her. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, go, buddy. Just go. Get out of there. <laughs> like, that's honestly how I felt. Like... You know, you don't need to save Kamiko. You don't need to worry about this stuff. Just get out of there. Just enjoy yourself. Because, you know, like, I... 
and I think that was after he and Creta hooked hooked up. So I was like, you know, go go for a long booty call in Greece, you know. Jesus Christ. But and then but then he calls his uncle. Mm-hmm. The only time we hear about his uncle, his uncle owns the house that they live in, and he's mm-hmm. running from the house from his uncle. And his uncle comes over, and they just shoot the shit. And his uncle just says, "Go out and just watch people. You 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 learn you learn things about the world just from watching people." And that's how he met Nutmeg and Cinnamon. Correct. And then he yeah. sends him down this whole path. So like the whole story talking about what the you know the old war stories about a whale, and and then. It's just this random uncle that shows up and says, let's just go watch people. And then nut- and then he runs into Nutmeg, and Nutmeg takes him from there. So it just seems so... I, I feel like that kind of irked me a little bit. You got irked? I did. Because, like, I don't know. I mean, his uncle has nothing else in the story. You like, wish it was a more major character who... No, I wish that there was some other way that he could have met Nutmeg. Even if it was the main character's own idea. Like, he comes out of the well... And, you know, he, he says no to Crater Cano going to Greece. And then he's just like, I'll just be a bum and sit on the park bench and watch people. Like, even if even if there's some sort of other thought that Toru has that gets him to that point. I just didn't like the whole, this uncle character comes in. We don't even know. We haven't heard Who does anything. he think he is? Well, yeah. yeah, really? <laughs> no, I'm like... All right, can I rant now? Am, am, am I totally off base here? Am I pick, nitpicking? Uh, I was surprised how upset the uncle character made you. I know. I mean, of all the weird stuff that happens in this book. <laughs> I know, You're right? going to single out that poor guy. <laughs> I know. It's silly. I, I even admit it's silly. <laughs> okay, well, you're working through that. Um, so, I just, I thought that was a funny scene, though, like, because he's been through all this strange, crazy stuff, and he's like, just go look at people. So he just goes and watches them walk around their daily, day-to-day lives, and he's not making judgments really just kind of observing mm-hmm. i think he's just been through much so much stuff it's kind of like a nice kind of peaceful take a step back mm-hmm. type thing but in general like i like stories where a character who's like a pretty normal dude gets caught up in these really strange circumstances like i find like that's a common pattern in a gotcha. lot of stories that i like yeah. it's like you know your typical person and then one thing leads to another like first his cat leaves then his wife leaves and he meets this person that person mm-hmm. like okay. down the rabbit hole yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. The uncle thing is not gonna, it's not gonna tarnish this book for me at all. Anyway, you want to do rating time? Yeah, I think I'm ready. All right, Tim. You always make me go first because you, you don't. I'll want go me first. To, no, no, I'll go first. I'll write it down. I'm gonna surprise you, Tim. Hey, throw, it, throw me this pen. Um, out at five. Out of five. Of course. <laughs> it's been a while. I'm actually gonna give it a four. Oh. Because okay. I felt like. I don't know. I felt like the writing was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I generally did like the characters. I felt like it was a very unique story. Mm-hmm. You had to just go along with the ride. Right. Uh, so I'm going to give it a four. See, I was between a three and a four on this. Yeah. And uh, just based on the, like, comparing this one to Norwegian Wood and having read that, uh, even though it was a while ago, I still remember how, like, powerful it was and it stood out to me. So, like, I think I have to give this a three just based on what I know his writing can be to okay. me beyond this. I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no other frame of reference with, with Murakami. So I feel like that's good. I, mean, like, I, I feel like that's natural. If you know an author well enough, you should, you know, compare to his other works. It's only natural. Yeah. So, okay. So, I, now, all right. Tim likes stories about average people getting caught up in 
crazy situations. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of an example. Can yeah. you think of anything? Um, honestly, <laughs> the first, the first example that comes to mind is Lord of the Rings. Okay, I love Lord like, of the Rings. Because yeah. like Frodo is a normal just, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, that whole world is, is this built. like a classic archetype though, or like this? I think it kind of is. Yeah, I don't think it's like an uncommon. Um, another one, Our Man in Havana, comes to my mind. You probably haven't read that one nah. by Graham Greene. Um, it's just yeah, I know I get it. Like, um, or what's that? Like any like most Hitchcock movies, right? Like North by Northwest, mm. just like typical people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think of another good example. What's your favorite books? Fiction stories. Nothing comes to mind. I think yeah. I need to read more books. <laughs> Hence the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah. we're doing this. No, this has been good. All right, the book we're reading next is American War by Omar El Akkad. And I picked this one because I had it on my bookshelf because I bought it at a used book fair a year or two ago. I don't think these are strong um, reasons to... Make me pick a book. All right, go ahead. Because it's dystopian and sci-fi, right? Yes. Just because well, you've stumbled upon someone at a flea market doesn't mean... You what do you to... mean? I bought it because I knew I heard about it. Oh, uh, okay. I did hear about it before. Okay. And I <clears throat> heard what the synopsis was, and I liked it. So basically, it takes place like 50 years in the future, where the sea levels rise, causing the American government to be destabilized and have a second civil war. Do you have to be believe in climate change to like this book? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> For, you know, we have a very diverse audience of yeah. outlooks and opinions. I don't know. Yeah, we do. So, so until next time. <laughs> keep reading. Keep reading.